This is the Draft Lounge Podcast. With the first pick. The Draft Lounge is a Lounge Network production. All I see are lies and collusion. This whole season is null and void. Full and void. From fantasy football to fantasy baseball, the Draft Lounge has you covered. Here are your hosts, Jake Perry and AJ Desai. Welcome back to the Draft Lounge presented by the Lounge Room Network, sponsored by One Call Tech. I am your host, AJ. You can follow me on Twitter, AJ Decipher. You can also follow my co-host, Jake Perry, at JakePerry34. How's it going, man? Going good, man. You know, we talked about it last week, but I still got to keep talking about it, that I hate slow internet. And I don't know about you, but I hate paying too much for this slow-ass internet that I have. So I'm just sitting here looking at my bill, and I decided to give One Call Tech, one call tech a call. And uh, see what they could do for me. They saved me about 20% on my bill and my internet's faster than it was before. So head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them that the Draft Lounge sent you. But AJ, I know you're excited about this week, man. I'm super excited to talk about it finally. But, you know, it's uh, this week is everybody's favorite. It's uh, the Dynasty Quarterbacks. It's, you know, what is going to be... You know, we're looking at the real draft, uh, which we're going to go over this Sunday. Um, but we're looking at, you know, a potential for four quarterbacks in the first four picks. Um, so mm-hmm. from a uh, from a fantasy perspective, everybody wants to hear about the quarterbacks as well. So I'll just go. Uh, I'll just get started right away, man. Who do you think is my quarterback one? Obviously, Trevor Lawrence uh, out of Clemson. Yeah, it's it's no question that, that Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback one there. He's basically been the quarterback one in this draft class since he started playing football um, way back in the day, you know, you're looking at, you know, a a pure passer and a great athlete who can run all over the field if he needs to probably an underrated runner by a lot of people, Um, especially from a fantasy perspective. We know that, you know, the quarterbacks with rushing ability have some extra upside there. So T-Law may even get devalued a little bit by some people who don't really appreciate the ability that he does have to run. Um, But he's, he's the clear one in the class. I don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about him. Uh, the, the two through five is where things, depending on who you talk to, you know, things are all over the place. I've been all over the place with my personal rankings. You know, I started the year and Jamie Newman was in my top five. And the more tape I've watched, the more, you know, the more I've been able to sit down and look at the numbers um, and watch, you know, watch film and get everything decided. I have I have Justin Fields as my quarterback, too. You know, you're we're looking at a guy who is being dogged by the media for no reason here he's one of the best passers in the class he's the best pure runner in the class the man ran what a 4 3 40 i mean shit i was watching when i was doing my running back rankings you watch trey sermon run with the football and his lead blocker is justin fields like four out of five times it's you know he's he's just as pure of an athlete as there is in this draft class underrated as a passer you know people want to knock him and there's the whole oh he doesn't get past his first read that's not true. You know, there's plenty of examples. He's one of the highest rated passers on his second read um, per uh, pro football focus. You know, we're, we're looking at, at a one, a one B situation in, in my mind, where if you mm-hmm. ended up with, with Lawrence or fields, I don't think you can, you can really go wrong. Um, and then quarterback three for me is Trey Lance. Um, again, the rushing ability kind of takes the cake here. Um, I have Lance comped at Ryan Tannehill. Um, he, you know, I, they, I see a lot of similarities in their game, whereas, you know, Tannehill wasn't necessarily considered to be a runner, but he was a very good runner in his own right. Um, we saw a couple times last year where he turned into Lamar 
it seemed. And he was the one, you know, doing the uh, the majority of the rushing. Um, you know, he had some big runs here and there. Um, he did it even a little bit when he was in Miami, though Gase didn't like him running a whole lot. Um, but, you know, Trey Lance, he's a very similar guy. He's a really good passer. Obviously, we don't have a ton of tape on him. He's playing against subpar competition. These are all, I think, fair fair criticisms to have for him. But I think overall, it, it's hard to see, you know, Zach Wilson or Mac Jones being able to make up for the difference in rushing upside. Because as we've seen with quarterbacks, Tom Brady threw for what, 4,600 yards last year and had however many touchdowns that he had. He was still barely a quarterback one. Um mm-hmm. But in terms of fantasy production, like the rushing upside is just going to catapult guys ahead of him. Um, and I think having Trey Lance, you know, as my three is something that I'm pretty confident on. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, you can you can pretty much pencil in Zach Wilson at the two spot. I think the Jets are pretty much sold on Jack. I'm um, um, sorry. Um, Zach Wilson. So, I mean, you know, and then Trey Lance. I mean, I think I think like, you know, this whole thing about Mac Jones to San Francisco, it just throws a smoke scream at me. And it's just I, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I think he would do well in San Francisco. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't know how the weather and stuff uh, plays a factor and stuff. But like, I think he could be a, be a successful component in Shanahan's system, same with Trey Lance. But like, like you mentioned, I mean, like, you know, Trey Lance only played that one game, this opener. He was a little shaky. And then after that, he didn't really play. He just after yeah, I, yeah, he opted out at that point. Yeah. But yeah, like you're saying, like I think I'm under the impression, and I always have been, that they were trading up for Fields. Um, yeah. In my so mind, I, you're not trading up to three for Mac Jones. Like you're just right. not doing it. Um, yeah. And and the you know the knocks are somewhat similar between Jones, Wilson, and Lance in that they have a short period of elite production, um, which is mm-hmm. something that we don't you know, typically love to see um, in, in our profiles. But, you know, I have Wilson as my four and Jones is my five. I do think that Wilson has a better overall skill set than Mac Jones, but I do think Mac Jones is more, even though the, the term pro ready isn't really a good term and you can't, you can't be pro ready um, as a college quarterback, um, in my opinion, you know, the, the NFL is a whole different ball game. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, you can plug Jones into, uh, you know, pretty much any West Coast offense or any, you know, spread concept offense and he's going to do fine. Wilson, I do think, is a little more versatile. I think he can play a little bit better under center. I think he can, you know, his his arm talent is right up there with everybody else's in this class. So that's something that, you know, you have to consider as well. Jones is a little bit of a weaker arm. At his pro day, you know, everybody was like, when the pro day, his first one came out, everybody was super hyped over it. And I'm like, he's under throwing guys without any pressure stepping into the throw. And then we have guys like, you see Wilson's, pro day and you see fields pro day and you see even like when you see mons pro day and these guys are like running back like off their back foot throwing 60 yard 70 yard dots and mac jones is under throwing 50 guys 50 yards away like it's just a little concerning to me um not that you need to have you know elite arm strength like that to be a successful quarterback at the next level but i just think it limits his upside a little bit where he has to be a little bit more complacent with his throws he can't you know he's not a guy who's gonna really beat you over the top as much like some of these other guys are um and then i have kyle traska as my six the only reason i have him as my six is obviously he put up really good numbers um in his college career we've seen him be able to run you know run the offense pretty well i just think he's he's not coming into a starter position more than likely the the rumor that we've all heard is that new orleans really likes him um and if they do and they do take him 
they've got Jameis Winston. They've got Taysom Hill. He, he's not going to be a guy who's starting right away. And obviously dynasty is about long-term projection. So that, that could be fine. And Kyle Trask could come out and he could be the next Drew Brees. You know, you know, there's similar concerns. There some concerns about arm strength. Maybe he's not, you know, the most prototypical passer in the league. Um, but you know, that's where I have that, that next set of three, um, and then the my my seven through ten get a little bit weird. But what do you think about those uh, those top six so far? I think they're pretty good. You know, I mean, like if you really look at you know um, Lawrence, and then you go to Wilson, Zach Wilson, then you go to Trey Lance, and then it falls to Justin Fields, and then it goes to Mac Jones. I think you know. And then did you have Kellen Mond at six? Right, Trask, Kyle Trask. Trask. Okay, sorry, um, Kyle Trask. I think that's a good top six to have you know obviously you know the top four quarterbacks show more promise and stuff in terms of development and franchise futures and stuff and then you know it, it kind of levies off from there when you have mac jones and then trask i think mac jones can be a franchise leader but it depends on where he goes yeah. same thing with kyle trask too i think like i think if kyle trask like say if he goes to like new orleans at 27 i mean you know new orleans is not um, I, I mean, what do you say? Like, they have Alvin Kamara, they have Michael Thomas, they have Traquan Smith and all those guys. They still have an offensive line intact, and they've, like, I think by the new league year, they'll get under the cap. And say, Jake, let's just say, what if Mac Jones is gone? What if six quarterbacks go in the first round? Like, have you have, I don't, have you picked, I don't, like, I, 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 mean, I, I don't see it. That Reese guy. I think he could be. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I could see it if New Orleans is really, you know, if they really are interested in him and they really want to use him to make Taysom that pick. Hill, They're not but, sold on him. They're not sold on Taysom Hill. But yeah, but my my whole thing is like why take Trask or Mond or Newman in the first when they're very like they're going to be there in the third? Yeah, the, like, I'm just saying like like you know, like in terms of like teams panicking. You know, like four quarterbacks are off the board, right? Um, you know, the Chicago Bears are a great example. If they don't move from 20, you know, then they're going to have to choose from a guy like Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. But, like, that's what I'm saying, like, like, in a panic mode that, like, what if – do you see a situation on draft day that five or six quarterbacks are gone and the Chicago Bears or some other teams, like, say, hey, the New Orleans Saints, um, you know, Washington Redskins at 19, um, they're probably looking at a quarterback too. So, I mean, like – you know, if top four guys are gone, do you see like a like a surprising six quarterbacks that go in the first round? I don't see six. I think five is is definitely um, definitely possible. I think five is going to happen. I'm pretty confident that we're going to see all of you know those top five guys go in the first round. Um, six, I don't see it happening. This this class is so deep at so at a lot of positions. It's a really deep offensive line class. It's a really good wide receiver class. You know, the there are those, you know, six, arguably seven, depending on your opinion, quarterbacks who could come in and compete right away. Um, but I just think with the league starting to like transition to a pass heavy offense, like I think we're gonna see more emphasis on the offensive line. Um, plus there's really good defenders in this class too. You know, there's a lot of good edge guys, yeah. got a lot of good linebackers. Not so many good cornerbacks, but I think there's enough first round talent in this, like true first round talent in this draft that I just don't, I personally don't see a six guy coming into the first round. Um, like I said, like if any of these guys do want a quarterback, like the Bears aren't going to do it. The Bears, if they really wanted to take a quarterback, they could wait on Trask or Mond and or Newman or 
Ian Book for for Christ's sake, and you know they can get these guys at, at you know in the second or third round. Like I just don't see a reason to. I don't see a reason that a team is going to panic with the quality of quarterbacks that are currently in the league with this class. Like I, I just don't personally see it. Um, obviously, it's the NFL draft. It, it's full of surprises, which is why mock drafting is so fun because it's the ideal situation that you just hope mm-hmm. kind of works. But like, right. I think overall, like. It's it's a deep class at a lot of positions, and I think we'll we'll see you know quarterback faded a little bit after those first five guys. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I mean, like you know, so, sometimes I feel like you know if teams get pressured, but like like you mentioned, if if the if the class is deep, then like you know, I don't think we're gonna see a quarterback after Mac Jones go. I think it's I think it could stay at five. I don't know. I mean. You know, if it stays at five, great, because I don't like if Kyle Trask goes in round one, then, oh, my God, that would just be a catastrophe for I mean, not just for the Saints. I mean, I think they would know what to do with him because Sean Payton and stuff. But like, you know, they could they could use a guy on the defensive side of the football. So, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, they've got a lot of needs. And I don't think I don't see quarterback being a position, just especially with the way that rookie contracts are. I don't see them taking a rookie in the first round. Um, they're just going to they, – they're already limited when it comes to the amount of money that they have to spend. I, I do think the Saints probably go defense early, um, mm-hmm. but we'll mm-hmm. see. I could see. I could also see the Saints trying to trade out of the first, um, try and pick up a few extra picks you know, in the second and third round range. Um, so we'll see. But moving down the list, um, so my 7 through 10, again, this, this is the point in the uh, – point in the rankings where you kind of hit a bunch of project guys. You have a bunch of guys who have potential, but they need a lot of work. Um, so I have Kellen Mond as my seven. He's uh, one of the more athletic uh, quarterbacks in this draft. Um, he's got probably the best pure arm, like pure arm strength in this class. Um, but he's got some questionable mechanics. We haven't seen him succeed super well um, at the collegiate level. He's put up decent numbers, but nothing spectacular. Um, I, he's a guy that, you know, a team is going to take and he's going to sit. He's going to be a backup for a couple of years before he gets a, his starting shot, um, which is probably fair. Um, my eight is Jamie Newman. Um, Newman, like I said earlier, a guy I was super high on coming into the year. I think opting out definitely didn't do him any favors, especially because we saw guys like Lance Wilson and Jones, you know, really fly up a lot of people's rankings. Um, I just think overall, you know, Newman has, again, he's a guy with a lot of potential. He's a guy that, you know, he's athletic, he can, he can run. Um, but he, he's just, he's a little bit limited. Um, and we only really saw one full season out of him too, which definitely doesn't help his, his profile there. Um, he does have a tendency to, um, stare his guy down a little bit as well. He, uh, his decision-making isn't as crisp as you'd like to see. Um, all the time. So he's a guy that I could definitely see um, falling down the uh, draft board a little bit. But um, in um, in fantasy leagues, like we said, that rushing upside that he does have, that athleticism is, is valued heavily. Um, and I think it's, you know, he's probably going to be that, you know, that seventh or so quarterback off the board. Some people I've seen in mock drafts too have taken him over Trask, um, which I think is definitely fair. Um, when you consider, you know, the upside that, that Newman does have there. Um, my, so he, uh, Newman's my eight, my nine is David Mills. Um, Mills, he's a, he's, he's a big guy. He, he reads defense as well. Um, but he needs to still improve on that a little bit, um, to at the next level, he's got a big arm. Um, but he's, he's a guy that I don't think is going to have, you know, a great NFL career as a starter. He could be a career backup. Um, but if you're, if you're looking to take quarterback late, he's a guy that could definitely, you know, potentially return on some of that value. Um, and 
you know, he's going to be like a, a third or fourth round pick. He's going to go to a team that's got a starter. A team that I actually would really like to see him with would be um, the Buccaneers. If the Bucks took him in like the fourth or fifth round, being able to sit behind Brady, like I don't think you're going to be able to sit behind a better quarterback and learn how to play quarterback at the, at the NFL level. Um, so that'd be a, a unique opportunity there. Um, and then looking at my quarterback 10, this might be a, a surprise to some people. I have Felipe Franks as my quarterback five or my quarterback 10. Um, he's a guy that a lot of people are very low on. He's kind of a, a joke in a lot of uh, draft, at least like mock drafting circles. Um, the people who don't pick um, if they let their auto timer run out when we're doing like minute per pick and it's just supposed to go super quick. Um, they, we, you either get booked or you get franked where you get one of Ian book or Felipe Franks. But Frank is a guy who I think could be a really good pocket you know, a really good, like prototypical pocket passer in the NFL. Um, he's got a really good arm. Um, he's, he's a, he's six, like almost, he's like six, six. So he's a big dude. Um, again, you know, it's a guy that we haven't seen a ton of success from, which is the the big thing. And he's not, he's not an athletic guy. He doesn't move around yeah. a lot. Um, so, you know, I think, I think like his, uh, his college route was a little, a little bit too, uh, a little bit too clouded there. I think like, you know, he started his career out in Florida, I believe. And then yep. he transferred to Arkansas, if I'm yep. right there. Correct. So, I mean, you know, playing, I mean, I don't want to like knock Arkansas or anything. I mean, you know, like I, I did see a couple of games, you know, um, it was Mississippi state that gave Alabama a run, but Arkansas also gave Alabama a run in the first quarter and Felipe Franks, like he was dueling with Mac Jones in the first uh, first quarter. It was like 14 14, and then Alabama pulled away at one point. And uh, I mean, like the first quarter, if you go back and watch him, I mean, like, like Jake, what you said was his pocket presence is huge. Um, his ability to recognize play, his ability to recognize pressure on his backside is really good. Um, teams that could take a gamble on him in the fifth or sixth round. I mean, hell, I mean, if I'm if I'm like any of these teams, like the Redskins or the Bears or like the Saints, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I would keep that fifth uh, fifth or sixth round pick in my back pocket to use on Felipe Franks. I mean, I don't see him going any earlier than day three. I think he could be a prototypical guy that can come in and just be like a supporting cast for the veteran quarterback or or a guy that can sit sit behind a veteran for a year or two, learn the offense and go out there on his own and, and see what he can do. I mean, you know, you just got to give these guys chances. I don't think Felipe Franks had a chance to show it in college. So I think like, you know, if he, if he is found in the fifth or sixth round for a team, it's going to be gold for him if he turns out and develops into a really good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a developmental prospect at best. Like he's very clearly, he's got the physical talent to do everything that you need to do to be a quarterback yeah. at the next level, but his fundamentals are lacking his, his mechanics yeah. are poor. Like these are a lot of, like, he's going to be a lot of work, but he's got the, the, the talent and the arm strength to be like a, at worst a practice squad guy at, at the beginning. Um, and I yeah. think, you know, like I'm saying with a lot of these other guys, these guys are all projects after you get past like quarterback five. So you're looking at a bunch of dudes who are going to come to the NFL. They're going to get spots on rosters, but they're going to require a lot of work. And we're going to, we're really going to have to see like really good quarterbacks coaches with these guys and getting them to be able to perform at the next level. Like there, I mean, there's no reason that these last five guys can't be NFL starters if they put the work in and, and make the progress mm -hmm. that they need to. But if mm -hmm. these guys are career backups as well, like I think we've, anybody who's done a mock draft with me knows that, you know, 
super in super flex leagues, especially quarterbacks important early. And in dynasty leagues, some of these deeper stashes are really good things because they may hit. Um, so these are just some things to consider, but that's where my quarterback rankings stand. Um, and you know, it, it, it's, been fun to wrap up all of the, the dynasty rankings that I have. Um, I'm going to put out a tweet this week with my um, official pre-draft rankings. I've had a couple movers um, in a couple different, at a couple positions since, but um, my pre-draft rankings will go up sometime this week. And then obviously we'll, we'll touch base again after the NFL draft. But speaking of the NFL draft, I just want to briefly, uh, before we hop into our baseball segment, just want to briefly yeah. talk about the, the full seven round mock draft that we teased a while back. That will be going live on the Draft Lounge account here um, this Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. Um, it is a long draft. We are doing all seven rounds of the NFL draft, so we'll probably be live for three and a half, four hours. So um, it'll be a you know a bit of an event there, but it'll be uh, fun. It's me and you know four other guys. Um, we'll get them tagged. Um, I tagged them in a tweet earlier this week, but it's my buddies Ben, Matt, Ryan, and Kyle who are doing it with me. Um, it should be fun though. It, it'll be, uh, you know, we're drafting how we think these teams should draft. Um, I'm also involved in another, you know, four round mock draft at the same time that, um, our guest a couple weeks back dynasty, Jake, um, that he put together, um, with a bunch of, uh, you know, analysts from all over Twitter for various different teams. Um, I know I'm a bears fan first and foremost, but I'm representing the chargers in that draft, but, um, we'll cover it, uh, once that gets published, obviously, um, once that completes, we're closing in on the end of the fourth round here. Um, so we should get that out somewhat soon as I'm getting updates on my Apple Watch from the uh, the Dynasty startup draft that I'm currently in. Um, but, you know, that'll go live this weekend and that should that should be a blast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watch watching that draft. I mean, I won't be I won't be um, involved in that part. I've got a couple of things to do on Sunday like drink and just relax and watch the draft and stuff. But like, you know, that's, that's going to be a little fun, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, looking at how teams should draft and see, see what you guys come up with. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about that and I'm really excited about the draft lounge doing that. So Jake, good luck to you and whoever you pick, honestly. Yeah, man, it'll be it'll be fun. You know, I get to represent the bears in that one. We've already made a yeah. trade. Um, so I hope it's uh, it mimics real life because this trade was made with a purpose. So we'll see. Um, right. But um, like I said, we're going to move over into our baseball segment. You know, fantasy baseball and baseball in general is the other thing that we really want to focus on in this podcast besides fantasy football. And now that mm -hmm. the season's kind of up and running, we're through, you know, one week of the season already. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my approach to fantasy baseball, kind of the roster construction that I went with. Um, I'm only in like two leagues right now and I have very similar rosters on both of them. Um, but basically my strategy with fantasy baseball is I fade a lot of the elite starting pitchers um, for good reason. I think um, this league that I'm in, for example, I don't believe we have an innings or a start limit, which is something that you'll run into in a lot of points leagues um, where the starters are just limited. You, you have a limited number of innings that your pitchers can throw because otherwise you can really run up the score. Um, since we don't really have a time limit in this league, I'm kind of abusing that. And I'm also abusing, uh, starting pitchers who also have a relief pitcher designation and putting those guys into the relief pitcher spot. So for example, I have, I do have, you know, some very good starters. I have, Sh I have Shane Bieber, I have Tyler Glass now, I have Dustin May, um, Jose Barrio. So I do have some good starters, but I also have four or five spots that I just kind of rotate through the various starters, depending on who's going any day. So for example, today. I've got three starters going 
I'm basically going to get 30 to 40 points guaranteed just because I have these starting pitchers taking up those slots. So I've got Adrian Hauser, Zach Eflin, and Anthony Descalfani, um, all, all who are all starting today. Um, this season's, and then when it comes to the offensive side of things, this is a pretty standard points league. Um, so, you know, hits get your points, uh, singles, doubles, triples, RBI, stolen bases, walks, all that fun stuff. So I try and target guys who aren't overly volatile. Um, I do have some volatility. That's for sure. Um, like, uh, Joey Gallo. Um, I have, uh, you know, Christian Yelich, who's not been performing to date, kind of a, a sad first round or a second round pick for me. Um, yeah. but, uh, I've also had some injuries too. I've got Alex Bregman, who's currently on the COVID list. I've got Cabrian Hayes who, uh, got hurt against the Cubs. I've got Max Freed on the, on the IL. So, Got a lot of injuries that I'm currently dealing with, but my my current roster, so my current starting lineup, um, typical day is uh, JT Realmuto. First base is typically either Jared Walsh or JT or uh, Jake Cronenworth. Uh, second base is typically either Cronenworth, Jed Lowry, um, or Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon. So I have a lot of guys with a lot of positional versatility too, which I like because, so for example, we've seen a ton of games postponed so far. Um so the Mets have had a ton of games who have been postponed. The Phillies, um, even today, I've got uh, the Mets in Colorado. Their games are postponed. Um, so Hampson and McMahon are out of the lineup for me. Um, the Sox are, um, the White Sox-Red Sox game is postponed today. So Madrig Nick Madrigal's out of the lineup for me. Um, so because, but because I have guys with positional versatility, you really have to almost abuse that a little bit and take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. I know that Jared Walsh is going to get, he's going to get other eligibilities this year too. So he's a guy that I'm not even worried holding on to while he continues, if he keeps, you know, keeps performing offensively. But, um, it's also about, it's, it's very similar to, to dynasty baseball or fantasy baseball where you have to attack the value. I got Chris Bryant at pick like a hundred something. And he's been very, you know, he hasn't been elite this year, like uh, an elite producer, but he's gotten 40 points over the first week of the season, which is more than a lot of my guys can say. Um, and then it's about targeting guys on waivers as well. You know, I would say just looking at my roster, Jared Walsh was a waiver pickup. Joey Wendell was a waiver pickup. Jed Lowry was a waiver pickup. McMahon, mm -hmm. Hampson, all of these guys, like it's, it's about finding guys and using them while they're hot. I when um what's his face uh from the Reds um uh, Tyler Naquin he was on a he was on a hot stretch there I had him I picked him up and and had him going in the lineup for a few days um to finish out the rest of my starting lineup so today I've got Joey Wendell playing third uh Jed Lowry or yeah Jed Lowry at my infield spot Corey Seager at my shortstop spot my outfield is Gallo Joey Gallo Mark Canna uh Chris Bryant and then my utility spot is Nelson Cruz um, obviously he's a guy who limits you when it comes to the versatility aspect, because he's listed as a utility player because he's just a DH. It's the only spot in the lineup that yeah. he'll play. Yeah. Um, so he limits you, but he's also gotten the third or fourth most points on my entire roster. So a guy that, you know, I I'll, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, limiting myself positionally there, but a lot of it's about, you know, attacking that value when you see it. So today, for example, if I look at like, um, we most of my baseball leagues are on Yahoo. Um, so if we look at, you know, we look go to uh, let's like look at the player list and like look at some of the, um, you know, prominent pickups that we're seeing. You know, there's a lot of guys that are out there like Eduardo Escobar. He's a free agent. He's scored over 60 points to start the year. Philip Evans is over 50. Adam Frazier's over 50. Like when it comes to to fantasy baseball, especially it's it's so much more difficult, in my opinion, than fantasy football. 
because it's there's so much change day to day. And in fantasy football, I could pretty much set my roster on Monday and it's good the next Sunday. Like it's it, there's not a lot that's changing. I may have some waiver pickups here and there. But with dynasty baseball, you're kind of constantly evolving your roster because guys get hurt, guys have days off, guys have games that get get postponed because they're playing so many games. Like there's just so much you know volatility in the overall need of rosters. Um, so like even right now as we're talking, I'm going to go pick up uh, Eduardo Escobar just because he's been so hot. I'm going to drop Nick, Nick Madrigal for him. Um, but Escobar again a guy with positional versatility. He's listed at second base and third base. So I can plug him into multiple spots in my lineup, which is, I think it's a huge asset um, mm-hmm. in, in fantasy baseball. I don't know how much you play fantasy baseball, AJ, or if you, if you don't play. Um, but for me, it's, oh my God, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so much yeah, more I mean, commitment than, than football. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I was, uh, we, we did a basically fuck you league last year in the chat. Uh, oh, Adams, yeah. I think. I mean, I had a decent lineup, but like, you know, I mean, if I remember my lineup correctly, I had like guys, pretty good guys, but they all got injured. I mean, my, my, uh, my starting pitcher, I think I'm pretty sure I had, uh, Clayton Kershaw, who had an injury issue last year, I think. Um, uh, he didn't really spring up until the playoffs started. So he was on my IL 60. I had Luis uh, uh, Lourdes Guriel, a couple of guys like that, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, um, Stassi. I mean, Stassi is a gr- he's great start for this year for him, but like last year was kind of, kind of weird. Um, but like, yeah, I, I haven't really played that much, but like, you know, like if I, if I have a chance to go into a league, then like I, I'm looking for like guys that actually can come in and, put in a decent amount of performances per day. Like, like you said, I mean, like guys like Nick Madrigal slow starts to the season and then you go out and get Escobar who's killing it. Um, guys like Nelson Cruz, who is your utility player. He'll give you like a home run every other game. And that's like six or seven points right there. Just depending on how many people are on base. Cause that guy like only likes to hit home runs when there's like two or three people on base. So, um, I mean, I love Nelson Cruz. I mean, I think he's one of the best hitters in baseball, but I mean that, and then another thing that was only my first league, but going forward, I would like to be in more baseball leagues, but like, yeah, I just don't look at it more as an analytic thing as you do. I more, I more focus more on like football but not that much on baseball. I enjoy watching baseball at home and going to the stadium and stuff and just having a normal fantasy baseball team, but um, not, not too much um, um, analytical as you, Jake. Yeah. And as we're seeing, like a lot of guys, you know, points leagues have been hard on people this year because we've seen, you know, offense around the league is kind of down off the start. Um, excuse me. Um, you know, like the all of MLB, like I know we talk all the time about how batting average is a bad stat, but a lot of leagues still use batting average and hits for points calculation there. And the league batting average is like 230. It's low. It's pretty low. Um, you know, power numbers are up, which is always good to see. Um, always fun to see. But again, like I think with with fantasy baseball, a lot of your your draft focus needs to be around positionally versatile players. Um and you need to take advantage of your league rules. Um, so that's another thing that's super, imp- I think, arguably more important than uh, fantasy football. For most people, the way that they plan- play fantasy football is pretty standard. Um, I'm in a league right now that's probably the most unique league that I've played in, um, the Infinity Stone League, which if anybody follows me on Twitter, they've, they've definitely seen me comment about it. 
Um, but it's a uh, it's a dynasty league. You have to collect all six Infinity Stones, which you can collect by winning a championship or scoring the most points in a, in a season. Um, so it's a minimum of uh, like three years. Um, and that's if the guy was, you know, if somebody happened to win every single year and score the most points every single year. Um, so it's a minimum of three year commitment to this league. And what we're seeing with the startup is, you know, quarterback focus heavy, but it's also a tiered PPR league. So for those who aren't familiar, it means each position has a different, uh, different points per reception total. Um, so our running backs get 0.3 PPR. Our wide receivers get 0.8 PPR and our tight ends get 1.1 PPR. Um, so knowing your league rules is, is super important because we're, a lot of guys are targeting quarterbacks because it's a super flex league. You got a, a lot of guys are targeting the wide receivers. A lot of guys are targeting tight ends early. Um, one guy, you know, his first four picks were quarterback, tight end, quarterback, tight end. And he's got, you know, two of the top four tight ends. He's got two top 10, you know, top 10, top 15 quarterbacks. So his, his roster is set up in the positions that are going to deliver the most points. And that's what you have to do in fantasy baseball, especially, you know, roster flexibility is huge. Abusing that. If you find starting pitchers who have a relief pitcher designation, get those guys on your roster and get them into your lineup because they are free extra points. Like if you put a reliever in your reliever spot, they're pitching what once every two days. Like they're just not really? giving you the like. I I had I drafted Devin Williams super late just because I needed some relievers to fill up the roster spots, and the man had like seven points a week and a half into the season. I'm like, there's just no. I'm not getting the return on the value here. Like I'd rather have like I have Dustin May and Adrian Hauser who are in my reliever spots right now. Both of those are very clearly starting pitchers for the teams that they're on, and I think it's super important to you know if your rules don't have a limit like that. If your rules yeah. don't have an innings pitch limit, like abuse those rules because that is how you are going to get ahead um, in these leagues. So like we look at our, the scoring in this league. Um, so you also want to, you know, consider just some of the basic stuff. So strikeouts are a minus point. So got high K guys who don't do a whole lot else besides our, our K and power are going to be super limiting, but also home runs are four points, you know, plus, plus the RBIs and the run score that come in for that. When it comes to pitching, this league still uses win-loss to compute points. So we want better pitchers in a sense because we want the win and the extra five points. But guys who are going to go deep into the game, closers even have some value because the saves are worth five points. Strikeouts are two points. Um, so, you know, that's how these, you know, and we're not losing points for giving up hits. So pitchers who are who give up a ton of hits but keep their team in contention, those are still really valuable assets. And it's a lot like football and in, in dynasty football, when you have super flex spots where you can play a quarterback or play a wide receiver or tight end, you're going to play the quarterback because their floor for points is much higher. And you're getting the same thing out of, you know, starting pitchers. Max Freed got shelled the other night, the night that he got hurt and he only scored me like eight points. But as I already said, the relievers that I would have otherwise had in the lineup, those guys were putting up six or seven points over a week and a half. Like even yeah. bad starting pitchers are going to give you you give you the points value in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I mean, like you know, you do have a couple of injuries there in your uh, in your bullpen there. So I mean, you know, you just have to scramble and go out and get some value. I mean, it's probably not scrambling or anything because you you have Dustin May and then you have a guy like you mentioned earlier that gave you seven points into ten or eleven days into the season when you can put eight um when you can put Hauser into like a relieving pitching role and where he can give 
you i don't know i mean it just depends i mean if he gives you like four strikeouts and like five innings pitch that's like eight or nine points right there on a single day that's more than the person yeah. that gives you in 11 days so i mean like yeah definitely i see the value there i mean like jake just by you saying all this i actually want to start a fantasy, a fantasy baseball league now yeah man like it's it's there's so much that goes into it too but even like like we're saying like a guy like hauser He's had two starts this year and he's gotten 21 points because he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. He can walk people. He'll give up some runs here and there, but that's still better than me praying that a, a reliever gets into a game and doesn't get shelled. Like if a reliever gets in and gets, if a reliever gets in and gets shelled, he doesn't have the innings pitch points to make up for that. So his, and he, you know, he loses points on the ERA there. Whereas a guy like Hauser, he can give up two runs, but he's got five innings pitch. So I'm automatically ahead on points there. He can, you yeah. know, he's not like we've we've seen some of these relievers come in and they blow up and they give up four or five runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they and they they have a third of an innings pitch. I don't even get a point for that. So yeah. you know, it's it's all it's again, it's it's a very analytical game. I think, fan, like I said, I think fantasy baseball is harder than fantasy football, and I'm really excited to start talking about it more. Um, but it's all going to depend on how the season plays out. If I uh, if I keep winning like I did last week, um, I won by over 115 points almost. Um, you know, that's, that's a big win in, in baseball. So right now I, I'm in the same spot. I'm, I'm currently up by over 120 points. It's all about just knowing what to do with your roster at the time. Um, constantly making those moves and you have to be diligent about it. You have to be checking your fantasy baseball stuff every single day to stay on top of these things. Yeah, definitely. And like Jake, a question, um, how, how many points do you get per innings pitch? Is it one or two? Um, let me look here. Because that's a good thing because that person that you have as a reliever who like, okay, pitches like seven pitches, right? And on the fifth and sixth pitches, he gets rocked back to back home runs. He's likely going to get pulled, right? So so if he allows a home run, right, to, a matter of fact, in this example, wouldn't that be negative points? You get docked. Oh, yeah. You you will lose points there. Um, Yeah. So – yeah, so it's one point per inning pitch. So, yeah. like you're saying, like a guy, Shelby Miller, uh, we're Cubs fans. Yeah. Shelby Miller is a perfect example. He came in and gave That's up, what, right. four earned runs? You know, he gave up three, mm-hmm. two or three of the runs. And then when Steele came in, a couple more scored, but those all go to him. Um, That's how baseball works, unfortunately. Um, he has zero innings pitch because he didn't record an out. He gave up four earned runs. So that's minus four points. He mm-hmm. had, I think he had a walk or two that was in there. So he gives up negative, he is negative five for each of those. So we're looking at a guy who put up like negative eight points and that kills you because he doesn't have the innings pitched to make up for it. If I have at least five or six innings pitched and a guy does that, I'm, I'm returning value there. Plus with the win being five points, if a starter goes five innings, that's all I really need. Cause if the team wins the game from there and they never surrender the lead, my starter gets five points even after he's pulled out of the game. Um, you know, pitching is definitely king, which I think a lot of people really undervalue. That's at least my experience yeah. in fantasy baseball is um, people undervalue the points that you get from pitching, but it's about the flexible pitching. It's not necessarily about having your, you know, obviously having Bieber and Glass now are nice, but they start once every five games. Like being able to have a couple roster spots where I don't care if I get rid of this guy, I'll drop Hauser tomorrow because, so I can pick up a different starter. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's that simple. And that's just what you have to do to kind of manipulate fantasy leagues, fantasy baseball leagues, and get your guys in the best positions to win. Yeah. If the rules are kind of lenient there, 
soccer and scoring and stuff, just take advantage of them. I mean, like, you know, honestly, like you were talking about Shelby Miller earlier. I mean, like, obviously the rules are going to be standard in that, but like, you know, I mean, just before that, I think, I think the day after we saw um, Bieber against Giolito and that was just a strikeout like battle until the bottom of the ninth. So, I mean, like, if you have a guy like like I think you have him right Shane Bieber. So I mean like that day, how many how many points did Shane Bieber give you? Thirty. A lot. Hold on. Um, let me go back to my roster here. So we go back to Bieber's stats. Yeah. Um. So in his three starts, he's given me twenty two and a half, twenty six and a third, and thirty five and a half. So yeah, that gets the White Sox. It was thirty five and a half points. That's insane, 11. right? So I get points for the com- uh for the complete game there. Um. I get points for nine innings pitched. I get the, he had one walk, so I lose a half point there, but two points per strikeout. He's got 11 Ks. Like guys like that do rack up a lot of points for you, but it's about taking it. I think the key is like having a couple stars and then having a lot of guys that you're willing to move in and out. And a couple of, a lot of guys that you don't care about being on the roster while they're hot. There was a point last year in um, my, in the one league that I played in where I didn't have a single bench position player. And I had six bench pitchers because I was just rotating pitchers in and out constantly each week. And it, it got to the point where I had at least one starter going every single day. So I never was missing out on points from, from another position. So that was, that was super beneficial, but it's, it's, it's all about, it's all about knowing your rules in your league and knowing your settings and taking advantage of what's there. You know, I have three guys on my roster that are right now that are on the IL because they're good players. I don't have to worry about dropping them. And I have three IL spots to work with. It, yeah. it's, it's all about, you know, just you have to be super cognizant of your rules when it comes to fantasy baseball, especially because there's so many different leagues. Like there's leagues that still use batting average. There's I've, I've been in on-base percentage leagues um, where the on-base percentage and steals are the most prominent point scorers. There's roto leagues. There's points leagues. There's a little bit of everything. Um, so, you know, it's all about, um, you know, being understanding of what your roster needs to look like as it is very much in fantasy football. But like I said, fantasy baseball, it's very much more changing day to day where you have to be cognizant of everything that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mentioned Shane Bieber earlier, like the guy can put up 35 points and then you can have a bunch of filler guys that could help you uh, score, score, uh, score some points there. I mean like, yeah, that's just, that's just an example of a superstar like we talked about earlier, and then you can just throw in a bunch of subpar guys that can get you like 10, 15 points, 12, like 10, 10, 11 points. Like guys like Chad Green from, I think he plays for the New York Yankees right now. But, you know, I had him last year, and there were times that, like, you know, he closed for the Yankees or I think started sometimes because the Yankees would be rocked the day before, and he would start, and he would go like five innings, and he would give me like six six Ks. And then, you know, that's like an eight, that's like an 18-point day for me, like last year. Right. But, like, you know – I think now, like I, he, he's still on the Yankees, right? I, I sounds stupid if he's not. Uh, I think so, but yeah, but it the point still stands that like you're just saying, like even if it's not him specifically, but guys like him, yeah. guys who come into right. starter roles or they pitch, you know, three, four, five innings at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know that adds value. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It adds value. I mean, same thing for guys. Like, I mean, if you, I mean, shit, throwing the throwing the whole whole uh, scenario of a catchers, right? Guys that like could come in and actually, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, for example, guys like um, uh, Wilson Contreras, right? He's he's a catcher, but like, you know, the value of him, like, he could 
he like he's one of the best catchers in uh, in baseball, right? I, I don't know when it comes to points, like if he's like picking people off at second base and stuff, or third base, or first base, whatever it may be. Does he get value for that? Does he get does he get points for that? Like so some, he, some but, leagues do, some do some leagues yeah. do uh, factor in some of the defensive points that they get receive. Are most of my leagues do not? Oh, okay. So like in case of a defensively, would would guys like that like defensive minded catchers like Wilson Contreras be? like an added value because this offensive power firepower is pretty good too. Right. Yeah. Like, if, that- if your league, if your league has defensive settings like that, defensive scoring, ha- a guy like him is going to have extra value. You know, it, it values up some of these guys. I think catchers another position that's really underrated. Um, and that guys yeah, aren't as worried too. about it. I've, I've made that mistake in the past, but like this year I have, um, I have Will Smith uh, out in Los Angeles and real Muto. And having, you know, some catcher depth there, having two good, really good offensive catchers, that adds a lot of value to your team. I've already gotten multiple trade offers for both of those guys because they're like, well, he's just sitting on your bench. I'm like, yeah, but also Phillies had like four games postponed in the first week of the year. Like, you know, it's it's all about, you know, building value on your roster and even just having some of those pieces that you can move around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, catchers are really, really underrated. I mean, I'm a big I'm a big, um, you know, I was a pitcher in high school, so I had I had my own catcher. I mean, like we had three catchers, so I mean, like you know, my buddy Zach, I still remember his name. Um, he ended up playing college uh, college baseball at D three, and then he injured himself. I haven't heard from him since, but you know, like I looked at his Facebook, and he started playing again after he tore three ACLs in a row in three years in a row. And like you know, I saw him play, and he's he's doing really well now. But anyways, I mean, you know, his his ability. Um, he, he actually hit pretty well too, Jake, believe it or not. He hit like over 300 in high school and he also had really good defensive minded stuff too. But like, I, I know high school is different than, um, MLB, but like, you know, for a pitcher, for a pitcher pitching to his catcher, it's always the same thing. So, I mean, like you have your designated catcher, um, and stuff like that starters, who start on day one, have their catcher out, um, pitching to them and throwing back to them and stuff. So, I mean, like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just the old. It's just overall in baseball. I think that's the most overrated position because it controls the aspect of the game. I think, kind of. Yeah. As a catcher, uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, I caught a lot growing up too. I was a pitcher, catcher, infielder. Um, you know, catchers. He's the commander of the field for a reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know. Not as much of that stuff applies, obviously, to the uh, the baseball, the fantasy baseball aspect of things. But, you know, having guys like that on your roster, having those guys who are playing key positions, like, I don't give a shit who my left fielder is. Like, I, that's why I play in leagues that have outfield spots and I don't have to designate right field, center field, left field. Like, I have guys who fit my, out, my outfield spots and we put them in positions to win. Um, and I just put good guys out in the outfield. Again, positional versatility is key when it comes to, to this fantasy baseball stuff, man. It's, it's super huge, and you know I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. But that's really all that I have for this week, AJ. You got anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, man. I just went off in La La Land about my buddy Zach, obviously, uh, compared it to the Major League Baseball things and stuff. But, like, you know, I, I, I hey, if I pitched well, I mean, I would have loved a chance to go pitch in the majors, but, like, that would have never happened. I would have to play in, like, D1 and stuff. But, like, you know, I messed up my elbow, like, two times. I had two Tommy John surgeries and stuff, and not my dad told me to hang it up. Like, there was no way. But, like, yeah, I got nothing else. I mean, like, that was some great fantasy baseball analysis there, Jake. That was some good stuff there. 
I appreciate it, man. But as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, thank you guys for stopping by to give us a listen. Make sure you guys follow us both on Twitter, myself at Jake Perry 34, AJ at AJ Desai 4. Um, but as always, guys, we just want you to stay home and stay comfy.